Well, everybody get ready. I know it'd be hard for you to look at scripture, so I promise you I will I will re-preach this, minister on this, minister on this again. Because I have been seeking the Lord and the Lord's been answering me. And uh, I hope and pray by faith that you get on the right side of all that we're going to teach and preach here in the next few weeks. Is that a prior line? Yes. I'm going to read some scripture here real quick in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm definitely not an end times preacher of any kind, but I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a now times preacher. Amen? Amen. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Knowing this first, that there should come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Did you know that's not true anymore? Amen. All things are not continuing the way they were from creation. That's not happening anymore. No. The earth is literally in a different state than it's ever been in before. It says, For, they, for this they willingly are ignorant of the, uh, the... They're willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the wor world that was, that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. He's speaking of the flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same, a word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us were not... Now notice, listen to this very carefully. Not willing that any should perish. Now let me read that again. Not, this is God. God is not willing that any should perish, but that, all, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt like fervent heat. The earth also... And the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation or holy lifestyle and godliness? Now let me, let me come back to that phrase in verse 11. What manner of person should you be? Everybody say, what manner of person should I be? Now, I'm just going to just comment here for a few minutes, and we're going to come back. I've got a bunch of notes on this. I have been praying and seeking the Lord, and I know that God is preparing me for a, for a season of prayer uh, that's going to be unprecedented in my life in ministry. And uh, if God calls you to that same thing, then it's going to be unprecedented to your life and ministry. One of the things the Lord has impressed upon me in my times of prayer since this has been going on is this. We are living in borrowed time. Yeah. Now, let me explain that just a little bit biblically. 
God spoke to a man named Noah back in Genesis chapter 6, 7, well, I think it's 7, 8, and 9, if you can go study the story if you'd like to. And from the time that God spoke to Noah until the time of the flood, it was 100 years. Now, those 100 years, were that was borrowed time. God wanted to destroy the earth then and now. That not right now, I want to destroy the earth and he looked for a man that is perfect. Everybody say perfect. perfect. Now, have you ever studied or ever wondered why God used the word perfect? Let me, let me give you a little insight into it. You can do the study on your own. There's probably people that know more, a lot more about it than I do. But in actuality, when God said, in Noah, I found, actually I found a man that was righteous. So from the, Seth of lineage, uh, from, the, from the lineage of Seth, which Noah is part of that lineage, uh, Men served God based on a limited amount of knowledge. Noah was a man like that of a limited amount of righteousness. But when the Bible talks about him being perfect, he's not talking about in his behavior or even in his righteousness. You know what he's talking about? This may blow your mind. He's talking about his DNA. He's talking about his human DNA. Because if you go study the scriptures, it talks about it. There's a lot of controversy over this. So we're going to teach on it a lot. But if you'll study it in its simplicity, you'll see what it talks about. It talks about uh, the sons of God and the and and the uh, and the women uh, and the women here on the earth. How the sons of God literally begin to breed with the women here on the earth, and that kind of created a, a, a race of what the Bible calls men of renown. And it was in the offspring of the sons of God and the women that were upon the earth, that this wicked generation of iniquity rose up. And they were absolutely wicked. The Bible says violence was all on the face of the earth. Uh, there's no way to describe to you what this earth must have been like, but it must have been terrible. But Jesus said that the last days would be like the days of Noah. You've got to understand, church, we are on borrowed time right now. And I don't think uh, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people think just because they're Christians, everything's going to work out. That is not true. Yeah. Just because you're a Christian does not mean everything's going to work out. It's actually, gonna, it's actually only going to work out for those that are willing to be fervent in heart, fervent in spirit, to press into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and to serve God on a level they've never served God before, recognizing and realizing the day and the hour in which they live. Listen, I recognize and realize more today than I ever have. I am living in the last of the last days. Jesus can come back at any time. We are literally in the midst of one of the most amazing phenomenons and dramas to ever hit this earth. And listen, this is just the beginning. You think everything in two or three weeks is going to go back to normal? You're sadly mistaken. I'm telling you, between now and the end of this year, the shaking that is upon this earth is going to get more and more and more intense in the financial realm, in the political realm, in the medical realm, amongst the nations. You're going to see things that I'm telling you, if you're not serving God with a white, hot, fervent righteousness, you're going to fall out of this thing and you're going to miss what God's doing in this day and hour. Now let, let me say this. Every people want to fight with me over this, but I believe I can back Scripture up. Not everyone that says I go to church and not everyone that says they're a Christian is going to go up in the rapture. Yeah. Right. I think people presuppose just because I'm born again, I'm going to go up in the rapture. That's not true. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without slaughtering. Can I get a better amen? Than that? 
and you think, well, I, I, I think I just, you know, I just qualify because I'm born again. I was talking to a man. I could, I could, I could give you his name, but I don't want to use his name to qualify the statement. But I was talking to him. He's, this man has gone on to be with the Lord. He's, he was an older minister from the previous generation who, who, uh, who was mightily used, mildly used of God. And I was talking to him because I, 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 I recognize him as being not only powerfully used by God uh, in the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, but also being a true biblical scholar. And so I asked him that question. I said, will everybody go up in the rapture that just, you know, that's born again, that just names the name? He said, oh no, there'll be a whole lot of tribulation saints that miss the rapture. <coughs> and I said, now, 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 can you qualify that? Of course, now he had some scriptures and stuff, but then he said this. He said, if you notice the trend in Christianity, now this conversation took place in about the year 1999 or 2000. He said, notice the trends in Christianity away from the power of God, away from the blood of Jesus, away from redemptive truths, and into kind of a very comfortable, philosophical uh, uh, Christianity in which everybody kind of feels good about themselves. And I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I see some... The large churches are raising up, and, and, and you know the, the user-friendly, seeker-friendly phenomenon. He said, yeah, most of, those, most of those people will miss the rapture. And I said, really? He said, yes, and the reason is, is because they are not serving God the way God says to. And that, listen, that has stuck in my spirit ever since that man said that to me. Serving God the way God says. Now listen, if we're going to serve God the way God says to, we've got to find out not only how to do it, but if we're doing it correctly according to the Word of God. Amen. Now if we're going to serve God the way God says to, then we have to look at the book of Acts as a template of what the church is. Listen, the church is not a religious organization. The church is not some kind of uh, you know, theocratical government on the earth. The church is the body of Christ manifesting the character of God on the earth today. Churches should be able to get people born again. Churches should be able to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Churches should be able to get people healed. Churches should get, be able to get people uh, uh, delivered from oppression and addiction and all these negative things in life. Churches ought to manifest the activity of God Himself. That's what a church is. And if a church does not manifest the activity of God, what is, what is it manifesting? Yeah. Yeah. What is it manifesting? Now, I said earlier, we're on borrowed time. I've been praying about this. And in my prayers and study times, I've been up here in my office just spending hours and hours just studying things and praying and interceding and preparing myself for what I know is fixing to come because I know a season of prayer is coming to my life and I know what comes out of that because I've had this happen three other times in my life. Now, borrowed time. You say, what do you mean by that? That, that hundred years between God speaking to Noah and the flood happened and Noah was a proclaimer and preacher of righteousness for a hundred years and got no converts. And God saved he and his family. And he saved that pure human lineage so that humanity, humanity could come back on the earth and begin to repopulate the earth without uh, the, the, uh, uh, the blood of that other entity that was here. You say, what happened to all those people? That's where your demonic realm comes from. Did you know the, de the demons are not the fallen angels? Got quiet in here. Go study it in your Bible. Go look it up. Demons are those entities, those, uh, how can you say it like this? Those spirits that were of those, quote, men of renown. 
all of those people that were of that men, men of renown. Those are the demon powers that are on this earth. That's why they're so territorial. Angels are not territorial. And Jesus and the, and the Word of God says, actually, you can go study with Peter. Peter says that all those angels that fell have been locked in hell. They're locked in hell right now. The only one of the angels that's loosed is Lucifer. Satan is the one that's loosed on the earth. All of the rest of the angels, the third of the angels that fell with him, are locked up in the bowels of this earth right now. Then all that other demon entities that are loose, that, that cause addiction, that, that cause people's minds to go crazy, that, that do all this negative stuff, that's those uh, disembodied spirits looking for embodiment is what they're doing. Wow. Satan uses them to steal, kill, and destroy his minions and his ministers, principalities, powers, wicked spirits, evil rulers in high places is who they are. Now, this borrowed time that we're living on, 1906-07, this blows my mind. When I studied this in depth, I, I saw something that so alarmed me that it, it did, it shook me to my core, that there were men and women from about 1902 until 1906, that were so hungry for God, there is nothing they would not do to find Him. Now let me say that again. There were men and women on this earth, 1902 to about 1906, that were so hungry for God. Now why would they be hungry? And I'm going to explain to you why we don't have that same hunger today. Why would they be hungry? Because they knew about the new birth being one of the works of the Spirit of God. And they knew about the second working of the Spirit, which most of us think is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it's not. The second work of the Spirit is sanctification. He said, what do you mean sanctification? Getting out of the world. Getting away from the world. That's one of the problems with the church right now is we look and smell too much like the world. That spiritual work of sanctification needs to come back in the church. And they were born again. They were sanctified. They lived absolutely holy lives. And many of these people that were seeking and contending for an outpouring for not a revival but a spiritual awakening. They prayed for hours without the Holy Ghost. They prayed in natural language. They laid on the floor. They moaned. They groaned. They did not have that helper. They did not have that counselor. They did not have that intercessor. They did not have that dimension of the Spirit. But they prayed and they saw God and they wandered from one place to another. And any time there was any little inkling of any outpouring whatsoever, or if one person here or one person there actually got the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, people would rush, whether it was Missouri or over Louisiana or up in Houston or out in Azusa, California. They would rush over there to see what happened. What happened? What happened? Well, brother so-and-so was praying and boom, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. And it blew people's minds until William Seymour, there on a porch, amazing, on a porch at a house in Azusa, California, preached a message and took his text out of Acts chapter 2 and said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit began to give them utterance. And the witnesses say, when he said that, the wind started to blow. And that wind began to blow across that crowd and people began to speak with tongues and people began to worship God and people began to, begin to magnify God. And for three years, seven days a week, three times a day, they filled that place up with 800 on the inside and up to 3,000 on the outside as in mass the world came to Azusa, California and got filled with the Holy Ghost and the clock started ticking. 
The clock started ticking, church. And that hundred years was up in 2007. And now it is 2020. So we're on borrowed time. You say, well, why didn't, it, why didn't something happen after? Because of the mercy and the yes. compassion of God Amen. and His desire not to see anybody lost, That's but right. for everyone to find the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, for everybody to have an opportunity to get saved, and then Jesus will come back to the church. Amen. And that ain't going to take long. Now let me close with this real quick. Thank you, Lord. It might un help you understand who you are and what you're doing here. In our ministry, 36 short years, I started out, I didn't know nothing. All I did was just share my testimony. I went to Bible school and learned a lot. Now in Bible school, uh, there's no way uh, I can thank uh, the Osteen family for having LBI back in the 80s. Uh, it did such a, such a work in my life. And, I, and the information that was imparted to me uh, is more valuable than all the gold in the world. Now, as I begin in ministry, which is probably about the time Lee and I uh, got engaged, which had been, would have been, uh, uh, what would that be, the spring of 86, the spring of 1986. And so uh, I uh, preached my first revivals, had other revival meetings scheduled, and I began to go to churches and have what was called revival. Now, these were true revival meetings. You say, what do you mean by true revival meetings? In these meetings, churches were edified. Churches were built up. Lost people were saved. Sick people were healed. Believers were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the power of God was in manifestation. Now, listen, I'm not saying this to brag in any way whatsoever. I give all the glory to Jesus. I want to give you some reference points for your whole life, for your life right now. Now, as those years went by, those revival meetings increased, not only in intensity and anointing, but also in effect. I sat on the board of many churches. Uh, I was involved in a church that, that there was revival in that church, the church that I was a part of after I left Lakewood and came to, uh, uh, came to Lamar. Now, let me say this, too, about Lakewood. Lakewood was a revival church like you had never seen, like the earth had never seen until the last few years. When Brother Osteen was alive, after he built the, 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 the big building, uh, it became a teaching center. It became a, a real blessing to the community. But it was not the revival center it was before they built that big building. I know, I've been in both, sat in both, experienced both, and prayed about it. Not only that, in Lamarck, we experienced a great revival that went on for many years. I'm not going to talk about why it is or is not there, but it is not there right now, just like it's not here right now. These revivals would spring up. They would be wonderfully refreshing. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the spirit of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Yeah. But now two times in our ministry, we were not involved with revival. We were involved in an awakening. You say, now what do you mean? What's the difference? Revival is an inner church manifestation of the Spirit of God in which God wakes up a church. He wakes up the gifts of the Spirit. He wakes up evangelism and soul winning. We've had revival meetings here. Most of our fall harvest services have been revival meetings. But not much has come of any of them. For years and years and years, we 
We've had revivals up in Shreveport, Louisiana. We've had them up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We've had them here at Island Church. But it hadn't come, it hadn't come to much when it comes to the building of the church because the will of God right now in the earth is not revival in the church. It's an awakening. Two different times we experienced an awakening in our ministry that was profound. And actually nobody viewed it from the standpoint uh, that Leah and I viewed it from. Now, the two places, Ireland and Hawaii, you say, now what's the difference? Why don't you call it uh, just a revival there? Because it just didn't affect the churches. It affected the communities. Actually, what we saw in Ireland, 1988 through 2002, affected the entire nation. <clears throat> you say, how can you say that? When we first went to Ireland in 1988, Ireland was the most impoverished nation in Western Europe. I mean, it was at the bottom of the barrel. They had depression. They had recession. Their money wasn't worth hardly anything. But listen, God so moved through that nation and God raised up churches and a great awakening took place and a lot of people left their traditional Catholicism and came into the move of God and it literally woke up that nation. Every time I go to Ireland now, and they call me up and ask me, what do you want to call this conference? I've, sp I've spoken in three conferences now since we started going back in 2000, excuse me, four conferences now uh, since we started going back in uh, 2014. And every time I tell the pastors who, who are conducting the uh, 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 meetings, I say, you call it what you want to call it. And every time they call it an awakening. The Irish awakening. Wake up Ireland. The Irish awakening. Wake up, Ireland. You say, why? Because awakenings don't just affect the church. They infect the entire area. They infect the county, the city, the state. They infect everything. They affect everything. And what God is desiring, now listen to me close. What God is desiring in this day and an hour is not just revival in the church, but an awakening to take place. Yeah. And an awakening will come out of the revival that's in the church. Amen. Amen. You say, now, now, why are you preaching this? Because I'm warning you, warning you, that it is time to get out or get in, to get hot or stay cold, to figure out what you're going to do in this last days of what's going on on the earth, and to make a decision how you're going to serve God. Amen. Now, the Lord gave me, in prayer and intercession, four different points. I'm not going to preach tonight because I probably can't see them. <laughs> but He showed me four different things in the Spirit. I've shared it with two different pastors and both of them said, where in the world did you get that? He said, you have got exactly, exactly pegged what is happening. Now, I didn't get it pegged. It's the Holy Ghost that did. But I do remember the first one. And the first one is this. Is everything that's going on in the earth and much of what may be going on in your life right now, especially if you're suffering in your business, at your job, or you've lost your job, maybe the added pressure of having to homeschool children, all of this that's going on in your life, and I'll close with this because it's not starting to get a little warm in here. All that's going on in your life is a grand, now listen to me, it is a grand satanic, satanic deception. That is correct. And it's designed, now listen to me, it's designed is to put into your mind the thought that coming to church could be dangerous for you. It is a strategy of your adversary, the devil. It's exactly what he wants to do in this day and this hour. 
And unless people rise up and make a decision, Satan is not going to steal my church. He's not going to steal my place in the body of Christ. He's not going to steal away that which I've worked so hard to be and so hard to do. Then I guarantee you, if you don't get a resolve in your spirit to rise up in faith, then I guarantee the enemy's going to take you out. You're going to sit on the sidelines, and it may cost you your life. I'm not going through no tribulation. Now listen to me. Here's how the Holy Ghost gave it to me. I'm not going through it through effort. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to pray the price. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do everything I can do. Like those old timers back in 1902, 03, 04, 05, and 06. I'm going to do it till something hits that's not of this world, that's not of religion, that's not of user-friendly, seeker-friendly, that's not of word of faith, that's not of charismatic. That's exactly what Joel said. That in the last days I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Here's how the Holy Ghost said it to me. He says it's in the hand of God and He's holding it out to you right now. And for every person at Island Church, it's in the hand of God and He's holding it out to you right now. What if I never get my job back? Who cares? What if my business doesn't take up? Who cares? Who cares? We need to be praying and interceding and seeking God like they did. That's what I'm praying. Lord, let a grace come upon any person at Island Church that will dare put up their hand and say, that's me right there. That's the way I'm going to live for God. And I'm not going to go out crawling. I'm going to go out shouting. I'm not going to go out in such a way in which the enemy is going to cause me to be defeated. I'm going to go out in the victories of Christ. And if you will do that, God will be there to vindicate your faith. And show you how special you really are. Because He has allowed you to be alive in this day. I begin to think about that. Because I've listened this week to Dr. Summerall, David Wilkerson, and all these men of God that are in heaven right now. And I thought to myself, why, God? Why are they in heaven? Why are they in heaven? You've let this generation to go through this and navigate that. He said, because a lot of people would think that any God, any move of God, any awakening or any revival that took place would happen because of them. He said they were taken out of, they lived out their day, they lived out their generation, and it's not going to be because of any man's gifting. It's not going to be because going to be because of any greatness of any one church. It's not going to be because of any powerful anointing on somebody's life. It's going to be because be because of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost working in any man or woman that says, I'm available to be used by God. I'm not going out whimpering. I'm going out with a shout in Jesus. So I promise you when we get some power back, <laughs> Some electrical power, amen. I'll get into these notes that I've made. I've got a whole notebook full of notes and share with you what the Lord has been sharing with me. Because I'm telling you, there's never been a day like there is right now. There's never been a day upon this earth. There's never been a day upon this earth since the flood took place. And I'm telling you, this thing is coming to a close and it's coming fast. And it's time to be busy about it. The work of the master. Amen. 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 Praise God. Father, we bless your name. You stand on your feet. We bless your name.